Well, hello out there, planet Earth, and happy Friday. We're just about there. Another freakishly warm and ridiculously windy Friday here in the Northeast. Just remember, it's always Friday with me, Stephen Fry, your SMB guy. ICYMI, or in case you missed it, SMB stands for Small and Medium-Sized Business. For the last 20 years, I've been a consultant for SMBs, a voice, a sounding board for business leaders, and continuously learning and helping wherever I can. I'm really big on the consultative approach, and thus, I love to share stories, I love to provide perspective, and I love to create connection. Every single Friday, you can find me right here on talkradio.myc, lending what's left of my mind and my voice to a live radio show where I interview SMB leaders as well as their trusted advisors. In my travels, one thing that I've seen out there is some of the best thought leadership for SMBs actually happens on Friday when we feel that freedom of the weekend coming. However, we're all so anxious to start the weekend, myself included, that these crucial pearls of wisdom, they're often eased aside, they're swept under the rug, they're forgotten in favor of our fun weekend activities and our freedom from work. Here on the show, we take advantage of that weekend freedom and clarity. We discuss popular topics that are on the minds of SMB leaders as well as their trusted advisors. Another quick thought for everyone, my last name means free in German. So the name of the show is not just a play on words, a little bit of deeper meaning here, people like to make an impact. Anyway, the shades are off. Let's see if our discussion can blow everyone away more than the wind today. Today, we're talking with Susie, who supports employees and employers. If you're looking for a job and you're frustrated because you're not getting any responses from your hundreds of applications and and you're feeling like your skills are are lacking in finding the absolute dream dream job, if you're concerned about a gap in your experience... It's likely you're not getting the interviews because your resume and LinkedIn don't necessarily highlight your value. As an employer during the so-called talent shortage in 2022, SMBs are also taking a step back and trying to find out why people are leaving organizations or even the workforce entirely. Is it the money? Is it the benefits? Is it the culture? Business leaders are looking at many different ways to attract and, and, and retain high-quality employees more than ever before. Good help is hard to find. Now it's really hard to find. We're going to hear from someone today who not only helps prospective employees present the best version of themselves through resume writing, but also works with employers to create a more engaged, collaborative workforce that could spark meaningful culture improvement throughout the organization. Talk is cheap. We all know the drill. We're on talkradio.myc. We don't want this to be just talk. The goal here is let's use some insight on the landscape and create more impact on Monday morning. It's far too often these days where business leaders, employees as well, they're focused on the product that's going to solve their problems. The shiny new mousetrap, the magic wand, the new app. One consistent thing I see out there, products change every single day and everything else that we do. Business, personal, doesn't matter. There's no substitute for surrounding yourself with the right people first. Focus on the process that's going to get you where you want to go. You do that, the right products will be there when you need them. I can all but assure you. So in the spirit of surrounding yourself with the right people, we have a great show for you here today. We are going to be chatting with Susie Miller, founder of Brander, certified executive resume writer, and certified disc consultant and practitioner. Susie is a certified executive resume writer, like I said, uh, member of the Professional Association of Resume Writers and Career Coaches, a member of recruiter and co- career coaching groups, as well as a recruiting consultant. She's been named a top 10 communication coach by Yahoo Finance. Executives who follow her methodology land at least one interview within one week and at least one job offer within three months. Part of her coaching includes assessing leadership and soft skills so that executives can be better leaders at the job. Susie's company, Brander, is here to leverage your experience and leadership skills into building a resume that will be impossible to ignore. The team does all the work to get you there from reviewing and evaluating your resume to conducting disk assessments, which we're going to talk about here today. Expertise and data speak and they give you the best chances of getting the job that you've always wanted. Susie's terrific at what she does. Very much looking forward to the conversation today. We're also going to discuss my favorite questions. Who's your favorite movie or TV show character? What's your favorite movie or TV show? And what's your favorite musical instrument? Who's the artist you'd like to hear play it? Visiting the basement studio in New Jersey from the shores of Long Island this morning. Susie, welcome to Always Friday. Great to have you here. You do need to come off mute, though. Studies show I can't hear you when you're on mute. 
Sorry about that. <laughs> I think it was up to me. Well, that was a great intro. Um, little fumble on my part, but we're all good. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Yeah, my my pleasure. Great to see you. So, Susie, give us a little bit of the founder's journey. It's you have a great position for a, a show like mine, where you could talk about the employee and the employer perspective. Tell us a little bit about how you got where you are today. Okay, so um, for about thirty five years, I have been a marketing writer. I worked for, I wrote marketing and business content for companies like. Um, you know, newsletters and online content and website stuff. Um, and then one day, um, a, a resume, an agency came to me and said, will you please write a resume for us? And I said, oh, no, thank you. And I click and I said, resumes, why would I want to write resumes? Um, and then they came back to me with another email. I said, please, we'd really like you to join. We think you're a great writer. We would like to work, we'd like you to work for us. And I said, Oh, click delete. No, thank you. But, the, you know, I'm, I'm good. Five emails later, I was finally like, okay, fine, I'll try this. And it took me a week to write my first resume. It took too long. It took so long. But what happened was, as soon as I started writing them, my, my clients were getting jobs, like right away. My first, I think, was 10 clients. They all landed the jobs that they wanted, like immediately. So I realized I was on to something. And what it is, is it's a combination of, yes, writing about your content, writing about your experience, but it's also the marketing writing, marketing yourself to the company. So combining the two made a very successful, uh, made a very successful um, process for people. Um, and then I, then I started developing methodology. I started going to all kinds of webinars and reading interviews and just reading up on it. And, so, and I developed my own methodology, which has been very successful for people. So, and it's a win-win. It's a win-win. I love helping people with this stuff. People come to me who are very stressed and I love helping them to de-stress and realize their value and I get paid to do it. So it's a win-win. I think that that it's, that truly attests to the value that you had to the organizations you were working for as far as being a marketing content writer and trying to get the message and the story out there about the business. You know, being able to market yourself as an individual, just like every business is an individual business, is a difficult thing, especially these days where everyone's trying to really differentiate themselves during a really weird time in in history. So, you know, talk talk to us a little bit about you know when you when you were first asked to do your to do resumes versus like you know and I know we're going to get to this a little later on but you know versus what's happening you know today in this day and age like you know how how have things kind of changed for you um that's a really good question so things have changed in that we know about the great resignation we know that um a lot of middle management and staff are leaving the way that affects leaders is they realize they have to re-engage their employees. They realize they need to figure out what employees want to do or how they want to be compensated, um, what hours they want to work, what benefits they want. Leaders have to think about this. But what's also happening is leaders are saying not only, that, not only are they taking on more and more responsibility within a company and doing things at the company they weren't normally doing because they have to fill gaps, but they're also saying hey, all these people left. Maybe I should go and do something else myself. And they're considering other positions like board memberships or nonprofits or something else, even doing what they do, but at another type of company. They're rethinking where they are as well as a result of this exodus. So it's a very mixed bag about what's going on with leadership. And, and integrating you know, both, again, the employee and the employer side so that there's a great synergistic you know, outcome right in the middle is it, there's a lot of matchmaker to be played nowadays. It's how you performed within a large corporate organization and taking that to the nonprofit world. You know, my show's on right after my buddy Tommy D that does a show about nonprofits, philanthropy and focus. That's a, that's a totally different approach. It's a different approach. And, but also you have to remember that creating a better culture isn't, it, it's a, it's a full hiring life cycle thing. You want to start with the hiring process, and that's where this comes in, which we're going to talk about later. But you want to make sure the hire is correct in the first place. And then when they move through the onboarding process, you want to make sure that you're connecting with your people. And then when they move into the job, you want to make sure leadership is connecting with employees. Um, 
when that disconnect happens, that's when there is culture problems. That's when there are culture problems. That's when people, employees get frustrated. And so DISC is something, or that engagement is something that starts at the beginning and moves all the way through. Um, the, the complication with all of this now is that there are so many people out of work. There are so many spots to be filled that a lot of the leadership is going, well, we just need a body there. We just need a body there. We need someone to do this work right now because it's needed and we're losing revenue. So we need this done right away. And what happens if that person ends up staying and they're not a right fit? It's, it's a complicated situation and you can see both sides. You can see it from the, from the candidate trying to get the job and then from the hiring manager trying to fill the spot. It's a very complicated situation. I know I keep saying complicated, but that's really <laughs> what it is. Both sides have challenges. Yeah, I, I, and I, I see it every day as well. You know, again, over the last 20 years working with small, medium sized businesses, ex explaining the difference between, you know, hiring, recruiting, interviewing and selection, you know, then transitioning that to onboarding and training. It's finding the right people to join the family, so to speak, from the business side and, you know, really finding the right fit and then getting them acclimated to the family. It's if there's any sort of disconnect, and I like the fact that we're going to talk about the disc assessment. If without the disc assessment, there might be some disconnect for some of these folks. But, you know, just to to make sure that the people are connecting at a meaningful level. It's something I've talked about a great deal on the show is it's it's very important to know, you know, what to say, but the impact that you leave with folks is really about how you say it, how the employee, the prospective employee presents themselves, and then how the employer communicates their their message, their vision statement, everything. Would you agree? Totally agree. And it's all in how you, uh, as you say, present yourself, what makes you as the candidate, as the job candidate, what makes you different than everybody else. What's your value proposition at any level within the organization? What makes you different? Why should they choose you above anybody else? I love it. We're going to take a deeper dive into the method behind the madness in Susie's world when we come back from this commercial break. Stay with us, everybody. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy. And I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Welcome back, everybody. It's Friday. It's always Friday. It's me, Stephen Fry, your SMB guy. I'm chatting here with my friend, Susie Miller, founder of Brander, certified resume writer, and also coach. 
Before we get into the method behind the madness in Susie's world, just wanted to sit out by the fire pit for a minute here, even though nice and toasty outside today. But uh, talk talk a little bit about the topic of the day and what we're going to get into here. A lot of, lot of different struggles as an employee and an employer. The ideal job and ideal help is really hard to find at the moment. Differentiating yourself in the world that we're living in, especially due to the pandemic conditions and putting your best foot forward is, is somewhat difficult and things are kind of changing underneath our feet as we speak. As the you know, struggles as an employer, if the company has been in business for years, it's really difficult for, for the business to approach recruitment and hiring and onboarding the way that they traditionally have. But also, if the company's newer on the block, Susie mentioned this in the last segment briefly. I know we'll get more into it. If, if the company's newer and potentially backed by investors, you know, there may be crazy pressure to put butts in seats just at particular times just for the reason of having presence of, of strong employees. But it often leads to decisions that – that aren't necessarily a good fit and they don't last for the, you know, as a long-term relationship for the business, a long-term success plan. The idea here is, you know, people in business are all different. It's really important to understand what drives both sides, where they can meet in the middle and how their impact is best felt on either side, how they can best communicate. Many different ways to understand the culture of people and how, how you present the value and common ground to each other. So Susie, you know, we talked a little bit about the dis assessment and I know that's not the only uh, thing in the method that you that you bring to the marketplace here but you know definitely want to hear a little bit about the science behind what you do exactly what you do how you do it and how you go to market for it so let's dive into it sure I'm happy to share it so disc has actually become a crucial part of my practice because a lot of times I see resumes and they're filled with hard skills technical skills which is great people need those hard skills technical skills, to land the job. There are certain job requirements, you know, for a job just in a job description. However, it's the soft skills and the leadership skills where that's going to keep the job for them. And what that involves is human and interpersonal correspondence, human and interpersonal communication. So as um, I use the company Profiling Pro for my for my assessments, um, and the owner of the company likes to say. Um, whenever there are people involved, DISC can be used. And she's making a joke, but it, but it's really serious. Um, whenever you're talking about somebody whose style of speaking, of communicating, of emailing, of even gesturing is different than yours, you want to make sure that you can speak their language, speak to what they need when they need it. And there's a whole science behind it of human behavior, um, the it, part of the, the disc principles is the golden rule, excuse me, the platinum rule, the platinum rule. We don't know the golden rule. The platinum rule treat others the way they want to be treated. Yes. As you can see the four styles up here, they are, each is very different. Now, all of us have all four styles in us. All of us have all four of these in us. It's a matter of how much we have. I, my profile is that I'm a strong eye. I don't know if you can tell by my voice how fast <laughs> I talk, but, but I'm a strong eye and I'm also an S, a strong team player as well. And, and what, what that means is that when I'm dealing or talking with somebody who's dominant or who's more of conscientious, I have to slow down. I have to listen to their perspective. I, have, I want to listen to what they need from me and, and then give them the information the way they can or want to receive it. It's the way we're built. Um, and this science, the, the, in the study of human behavior, we know that when we don't do this, when we don't adapt to other people and speak the way they, they want to hear us, it brings up stress for everyone. It increases your mind and body stress. And we want to reduce mind and body stress. <laughs> at the job and at the company. So all of this really improves company culture. It improves employee engagement. It reduces turnover, all kinds of positive benefits to it. Yeah, without a doubt. I, I say routinely that over the last 20 years of my career, the first the first decade was a lot about the technical side of, of what, what you do and what you say. And then the next decade was a lot more about how you say it. 
And it goes back to the idea that I can't help but get away from every week that it's it's all about people first. So really learning how you're being heard and how, how what your impact is on the other person is like crucially important now more than ever because there's a lot more situations that have come up where we're not shaking hands and seeing each other in person. You have to be able to really communicate. Right. And and one of the reasons why I'm a strong S, why, I'm a, why I also fall into steadiness is because I saw at so many companies where because they didn't speak to each other or the, or the communication wasn't good enough, they failed. They failed at projects. The disasters that happened as a result of people not talking or not wanting to talk or not knowing how to talk to each other, things failed. I saw things fail all the time. And if only person A had talked to person B about whatever needed to be talked about, a lot of things could have been successful. So I see the effect of it on companies all sizes all the time. So going back to the DISC you know, methodology for a moment, I've seen the categories named a bunch of different things along the way, but it all kind of falls under the same idea. You know, dominance, influence, steadiness, compliance, conscientiousness, whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it, I, and I've seen other systems, as you have, I'm sure, you know, that are similar minded like this, where it's just trying to personality profile a little bit, which, you know, you can't necessarily pigeonhole somebody into one particular thing. Like you said, everybody's got a little bit of everything. I know I do. I'm sure you do. But it is about what what's really the the pr- predominant one that that they hear and that impacts them. So talk to us a little. You've talked a little bit thus far about the the company side, which is very very important as well. You know, talk about translating that over to the individual contributor employee side, yes. because you know even just finding the company is is difficult unless you're speaking the same language. Yes, but where this really comes in is with a person being able to demonstrate their value, demonstrate what specific skills, what specific soft skills, what specific leadership skills they bring to the table. This does not mean that you can say you're good at teamwork, that you're a good communicator, that you are good at goals, because everybody's going to say that they're good at that stuff and not everyone is as strong as each other. So what I do as part of my coaching is I use the information from the report from the assessment to ask the person questions. As a result of you being um, a direct person, how did that improve the situation? How did, how did that hit the, how did that help you hit the goal? As a result of you being patient when you were waiting something out, how did that affect your teammates? How did that improve teamwork? So it's also about with the individual being able to speak to your unique leadership experience, your expertise, the value that you bring to the organization that's specific to you. So that's a great segue into the idea of your your resume writing part of what you do and helping people present that best version of themselves. I love the I love the you know the experience and context of being a marketing and content writer for the businesses as well as being able to help individuals present that best version of themselves. So, and I know you have some some fun fun opinions on certain ways of displaying the resume than others that are out there. But but (laughs) we let's let's get into it though. Like, give me something. Talk to me. Okay, so I have to say that Times New Roman is getting a bad rap. Times New Roman is a very popular um, font for um, IT people. I don't know why, but it is. There are so many other updated, um, so many other updated fonts that you could use that are good. It should be clear. That's the that's the first thing. Your res- don't use script. Don't bold everything. And you want lots of white space. White space is good because it makes it easy on the easier on the eyes. And it you makes the to, text stand out. <laughs> it makes the text stand out. The more information you have, I've seen some insane executive resumes because they want to put every single bit of their experience on the paper. And you can't do that. You don't want to do that. Recruiters and executive recruiters and hiring managers don't want to see everything from you. They want to see the parts of your expertise, of your value, of your experience that matters to them and that addresses the pain points of the job they're trying to fill. So white space, white space, white space and clear fonts. And 
I see on this one that they are all have everything in bullet points. I actually don't recommend that because when you put all of your um, all of your information in bullet points, that actually skews male, which is fine. Men like to look at bullet points. Women like to look at paragraphs because then they're getting to know the person. Yep. But with the bullet points like that, like they are in this one, um, you lose the value add because inevitably people put responsibility, they stack their responsibilities, make statements about their responsibilities, and then an accomplishment will be in there. An impact statement will be in there, but it's lost. It's one of three or four or five or 10, and it's lost. What you want to do as the candidate is make sure your value comes out. So reserve those bullet points for the value statements. So I, I think it's it's so important that everybody hears what you just said as far as as far as even <laughs> yeah as far as as far as even different genders who look at it just the way that yeah. folks say it's really hard to make over generalizations that way but I I agree with what you're saying it's like you you have to know who's reading the resume on the other side yeah. I've seen I've seen folks who teach courses professional courses out there that say it has to look this way and I know businesses that do recruitment that'll be like oh if it doesn't look this way it's a joke to me. It's, it, it, but that's not how it is everywhere. No, it skews. I did read something that it was there was a poll done. Men and women skew differently about how they read a resume. Women like to be the communicators, like to get to know the person, and they feel that the parent, if you give a little two or three statements below each below each position on the resume, a couple of statements about your experience there, about what you did and who you worked with. That that's considering getting to know you a little bit better. Yeah, so they absolutely. prefer that. You know, yeah, I, and, and we're uh, some some of this is starting to border on the madness that we're going to get into in the next part of the show here. But it's it, there's there's a lot to be said for for being able to to know who's on either side and and really meeting in the middle and to the make a great connection. On both sides, as I said earlier, but this is important. There are challenges. Both both sides are struggling right now. Yeah, both sides are struggling. So as a as a candidate for a position, be aware that the person on the other side of the desk is struggling just like you are. It's different struggles, but they're struggling to make the connection, to make to put the person in the seat, just like you're trying to get the seat. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's such such important discussion. We're going to take a quick break, but we're going to be right back with Susie Miller, the founder of Brander. Stay with us. Howdy, I'm Joseph Franklin McElroy of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Always Friday with me, Stephen Fry, your SMB guy. We're chatting with Susie Miller, founder at Brander, certified resume writer and coach. 
disc assessment practitioner consultant? Is there anything you don't do in the world of employee and employer really is the, is the question. <laughs> I try to do as much as I can to help people. That's for sure. <laughs> so we're going to get a little bit into the madness here. We talked about the method. We started encroaching on the madness. So the madness part of the show, artistic observational view, the stories that you have from the field, no subject is too taboo. But one thing we were just talking about that we can kick things off with is even just resume writing and the way that the the candidate writes it and the way that it's being digested on the other side. We talked a little bit about, you know, doing the the Times New Roman bullet pointed way that a lot of people think about with resumes. Then there's the other crazy extreme of the spectrum, right. which is the one that has pictures and links and graphs and things like on it. You know, talk to us a, a little bit about this. Are you seeing a bunch of this these days? Oh, I'm seeing it. Oh, am I seeing it? <laughs> Okay, so the one I have to point out to people is that what looks good to you, what you think looks awesome, does not necessarily look good to the person, the professional, the, the recruiter, the hiring manager who's looking at your resume. Also, I want to explain there is the software that companies use to, um, to filter out candidates, okay? And I know it's a necessary evil. It is a the software, it's ATS, Applicant Tracking System. It is a necessary evil because there are only so many, there's only so much time in a day that a person can look at resumes. Okay, so this software helps filter out candidates. Now, the challenge with that, with a resume like this, is it's been shown that with some systems, and it depends on the package that the company has bought, depends on the, the abilities of the person who's using the software, but it's been shown a bunch that a resume like this, as pretty as it is, as, as, as attractive as that blue color is, it probably won't get through the applicant tracking system. The one you showed before, the IT one, that is actually more likely to get through the applicant tracking system. It's not as pretty. It's not as um, design conscious, but they're not looking for design conscious. These people, especially with the great resignation, a lot of people are applying for jobs they want to know immediately, fast, are you eligible for this? Are you eligible for, eligible for an interview or not? That's what they're trying to find out right away. You have up to, I believe it's 6.25 seconds, something like that. <laughs> something like that, yeah. With the resume for anyone in, a, in a, during the hiring life cycle. You have something like 6.25 seconds to, get an, to give an impression. If you don't get past the applicant tracking system, there's no impression to be made. So you want to, so visual does not matter as much as content, yep. content matters much more. Yep. And I, I could, I could say I've seen that firsthand as well, working with the small, medium sized businesses, the push in the direction of the applicant tracking systems, kind of regardless of size too. It used to be for much bigger yeah. organizations. Yes, now I, a lot more using it. Yeah, I'm just with anything that's technology enabled, you can go really, you know, to down market to the smallest of small businesses, and they can use it at a, at a cost effective rate and, and use it well. To be clear, also, I've received for our smaller companies that did not use applicant tracking systems, I've received resumes via email that came out like crap on my end, just from a regular email. Right. It was messed up. And the, there was no phone number on the email, on the, on the resume or anywhere in the email. So I couldn't even contact the person if I wanted to. Yeah, absolutely. System system. It can be a problem, not just with applicant tracking systems, but email system to email system. It's yep. an issue. Yep. So, you know, you, you've mentioned the great resignation a number of times. You'll definitely want to speak to that a little bit. So you hear the, the, these big buzzwords that contribute to all kinds of madness out there, you know, labor shortage and great resignation, you know, Talk to us about what some of your your travels have been like with your you know employee types of clients, but also employer types of clients. You know, there's there's all these folks out there that are starting new businesses and they have jobs to fill, existing businesses that have a shortage of employees, and there's people right. out there who are looking for roles, but there's still a lot of empty seats. Yes, um, I would say to the employers, to the companies do disc assessments on them, assess their, their, assess their communication style, because then you will find out what they want from a job. 
You will find out how you can re-engage them, how you can bring them back. What kind of lifestyle do they have? This is a big question with HR, with employers. Find out how to lure them back. What do they want from your company? It's not necessarily salary. And believe it or not, salary does not come out as a top um, requirement. If you have other benefits at the position, and benefits is a very general word, but it's still, it's each benefit is, benefits are different for each person. It goes back to the distal. Some people like different kinds of benefits for themselves. You have to look into that. For the job seeker, I would just say, work with a coach to figure out what your value is. I know I keep harping on this, but if I see one more resume where it's all just technical skills and (laughs) people talk about what they did, I did this, I completed this, I did that, great. But all of your colleagues, all of your competition in your field also probably did what you did or similar to what you did. So that's where your value comes in. What did you accomplish? How did you benefit the company? How did you impact the company with that work? That makes you different. Yeah, absolutely. So in in your travels, you know, some of the folks that you've spoken to, no doubt if you're working with an executive, right, who's looking for a new role, if they've been a successful executive for, for a while, they, they, I would see easily see a lot of those folks gravitating towards this is what I did. This is all I did. This is what I did and who I knew and who I worked with and blah, blah, blah. And they could also be, I would venture to say a little stuck in their, in their thought process about it as far as getting away from it. Talk to us a little bit about that. Well, so they'll come to me and say, this resume isn't working or companies aren't listening to me or whatever. And I will look at their resume and I would say, well, they're not listening to you because you're not saying anything different. This is where the, my marketing background comes in. You differentiate yourself by literally being different by saying, as a result of doing X, the company increased revenue 30%, something like that. But for some reason, executives think that if they did it, then that's it. They should be hired. I had one gentleman executive, a very accomplished finance executive come to me and we were going through his resume. It was very clear how accomplished he was because he had been hired to oversee one, um, one division, but then got hired for two more. So now he was running three divisions. And so I looked at his resume. I could tell that there was a lot of good stuff there. There was a lot of value there. But when I asked him about it, he said, Susie, I work really hard. Susie, this is really difficult to explain. And I said to him, okay, and as kindly as I could, I said, well, if you can't explain it to me, how are you going to explain your value to the interviewer? Even if you are an executive, you have all these connections, you need to still be able to explain your value to who's ever hiring you. So he couldn't explain it. He couldn't Mm -hmm. demonstrate any of it. So it was frustrating for him. It was frustrating for me. But a lot of executive work is I did, I did, I did. Okay, great. Now show me how your leadership affected everyone, how it improved the team, how your leadership impacted the company. That's the juice. That's the good stuff. So right in the, right where everything meets in the middle, you know, somebody being you know hired as an executive and then dealing with the employees as well. You'd mentioned before, and I see this too, that you know it's not necessarily about the money these days, although, you know, money's always in there somewhere, but, you know, it's not necessarily about the money. It's, you know, people might be looking at benefits and benefits is a strong word. It's, you know, a broad word. There's a lot of different benefits that can come into play, but even just general flexibility these days, you know, being able to do hybrid, you know, remote work as well as show up to an office. Do you see folks out there, especially the executives you work with that are kind of programmed in the traditional way of, you need to show up to a a brick and mortar facility every day. Right. Okay. This is actually very interesting because this, the C-suite job descriptions have actually shifted and this goes to flexibility. They've shifted. It started off before COVID. It's this started happening before COVID, but got, got accelerated during COVID and now is, is, is really in the world. So the, C, the C-suite positions, CEO, CFO, COO, CMO, all of those, they used to be long-term jobs where you came up through the company 
and you got more and more responsibility as you moved up and they trusted you as an employee. So you were a great internal hire. That is no longer the case. There have been so many issues as a result of COVID, even pre-COVID. There has been so many issues that have come up for companies that a lot of the C-suite jobs are actually project-based now. So you, a CMO or a CFO or COO who has, again, a specific value add, I keep harping back to it, a specific <laughs> value add, a specific expertise will come in and fix a specific problem at the company. They'll be called in to do a project. It's probably a high level project. It has to do with mission and vision and overall company strategy, but it will be a specific project for the company and then they go off and they go get called somewhere else so the c-suite is no longer it is is evolving along with everything else it's no longer a long-term gig now it's like can you please come in and fix this because we know you're good at x and then they move on to the next next company says oh we found out you did this with x company will you come do that for us as well it's i'm gonna throw this out there it's it's almost like you being in the capacity you are advising folks who are trying to be hired as well as advising employers you know to how to how to have the right company culture and where everything meets in the middle it's kind of like instead of having somebody grow up within the same system and and carry out a big project mainly having that system as the frame of reference something that's a little bit more impartial almost like a consulting type of engagement Yes, they've been, they've been, it's heading more towards the consulting type of thing, consulting type of arrangement. You're correct. Yes, a shorter term, the project they may be working on may be a long-term investment for the company, but they may just be starting out, starting the company out with this new goal, with this new objective. So it's flexibility, flexibility, flexibility everywhere. Yeah. But then we talk about, you know, the you know topics of madness these days, like the great resignation. I would see that as yet another one where folks who've traditionally worked inside of, of, of organizations seeing, hey, like this is what my value is. This is what I excel at. I'm going to break off and make my own consulting organization and yeah. you know, get get five yeah. to ten really good clients and just go. Yes, people are totally doing that. 60 Minutes did an excerpt, did a, did a session on this where they were talking about people that were quitting their jobs. They didn't want to work at someone else's hours with someone else's environment. And they've they've been consultants now doing what they love from their home at the hours that they want to do it. It's very popular now. Shout out to my buddy, Mark Irizarry that I interviewed a few weeks ago. Very similar discussion there, but I think it's, it's all very kind of intertwined as labor shortage, great resignation. It's like a lot of this stuff, they're buzzwords and madness words, but the people are all still there. It's all the same people. It's a talent, right? It's just a matter of how they're all engaging with each other. A lot of what we've been talking about, not what you say, but how you say it and what's heard on the other side, right? That's right. Very important. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back with Susie Miller, founder at Brander. Stay with us, everybody. Join us every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern for the Mind Behind Leadership, where we focus on what leadership really means to us and to others. We have practical discussions with the CEOs of some of the world's largest companies, owners of small businesses, and experts in psychology and behavior to get that inside track, what to do, what to avoid, and what really happens. Join me, Graham Dobbin, at the new time, 4 p.m. every Tuesday for the Mind Behind Leadership here live on talkradio.nyc. Hey, everybody. It's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector, coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. 
Welcome back to Always Friday with me, Stephen Fry, your SMB guy. We're talking with my friend Susie Miller, founder of Brander, certified executive resume writer, and certified disc consultant and practitioner. Some great tidbits here today. Hope you guys have been listening in strong. We're going to bring things home with the message part of the show here today. Uh, again, from Weekend Insight to Monday Impact is the name of the game. So we want to give everyone some sound bites to think about over the weekend as they're enjoying their cocktails and their freedom from work, Susie. So I just want to say, like right up front, there's, again, great perspective here today. There's a lot, lot of experience that you have at the table for both sides of the coin. But it's you know, whether, when people are looking for jobs or you're a business looking for help, they often feel just alone in their search. But especially these days, they don't have to go it alone. Have somebody give that kind of impartial outside perspective on, on all things related. But give, give us some thoughts here. Give us some insight for the weekend. Okay, guys, first of all, <laughs> let's start with the biggie that I always get. No general resumes. What this means is do not use one resume to apply to all the positions, okay? While that can work, I think you're going to get really frustrated if you use one resume for every job. Why? Because, for example, a pro project manager position for Oracle you know, software is going to be a lot different than a project manager for a food processing company like Purdue. They're going to be different. They're going to need different skills. I'm not saying you have to redo the whole resume, but at least at the top, read the job posting and look and, and, and make sure your resume addresses the pain points of the job, which brings me to my second one, Read the job posting, please read the job posting. No matter where it comes from, if a recruiter said you'd be awesome for this, I know I want you to apply to this one. Read the job posting. If you find it online, read the job posting. Why is this important? So many people are using only the job title to determine whether or not they should um, apply to the job. And as I just explained with the, the project manager example, each job is different and the language in the job posting is going to be different for each one. And you want to show that company that you've read the job posting and you understand the company culture and you understand what is involved in the job. So read the job posting, please. Um, no general skills on the resume, no hard work, no <laughs> good communication, no passion, no teamwork, no detail oriented. Everyone is going to say that they're good at these things and not everyone is, or as explained with this, we're all different with these things. So no general assets, look at that job posting, look what specific skills they are looking for and use their language. Um, okay. And the last one, again, with the value add, what have you done that no one else has done? What ha impact have you had that no one else has been able to accomplish? That's where your value add is. That's what your elevator pitch is. That's what is bringing you to the table as opposed to someone else and why they should hire you instead of someone else. What specific story do you have? What expertise did you bring? Have you brought to other companies that is a selling point that makes you look better than everyone else? I think it's so important. And the example you just gave of folks looking at opportunities just based on the job title all the time. It's crazy to me because it's a job title. Uh, some of the job titles even out there are moronic anyway, like, but <laughs> it's, it's really, it's really just a, it's a product. It's looking at things for, through the product lens first, instead of the people and the process, like learn the people that you're trying to work with or for or whatever. And what's the process of execution they want to go about to get to their goals? That's yes, important yes. stuff to know. And job titles will vary wildly. Company to company, field to field, even department to department. I once was working with someone um, where a possible job was account manager, business, business analyst, and Salesforce executive. It was all the same job, but it was different <laughs> titles. And you have to understand that it's different titles. Read the job posting top to bottom, please.
Yes, and d- director is higher than VP in some places, and VP is higher than director in other places, and it just yeah. it doesn't matter. It's like and some of them go by crazy names, some of them go by you know social media guru or something like that. It's they just yeah, they're they're you need to be detailed in this process. It actually brings about a question I have. So uh, you know, th- sometimes people think it edgy in in these times to come up with some type of funkier title. I've seen it out there as well. How do you feel about that? Okay, so in the dot com era, when all these investments were happening in these small companies, these the Google companies would come would try to be as creative as possible to lure and engage investors, and so. I remember there was an article written about this one company where investors went there and everyone at the company was called a guru, social media guru, finance guru. <laughs> and then what happened was, this is not a great story. What happened is the, 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 the investors came out and they were like, that guy said he was a social media guru, but he wasn't. He didn't, know, he, he didn't answer my question correctly. Or that other person says they're finance, but they haven't worked at all the big houses. They said they were big finance, but they haven't worked at any of the big houses. So you have to be careful about titles. Companies have to be careful about it. Yes, everyone wants to be creative. Everyone wants to have fun at work. Everyone wants those great benefits. But when it gets down to it, you have to do a job. You have to get a job done and the company wants to see ROI. They're paying you a certain amount. They want to see that their investment comes back at them with benefits. They want to see that they're, they're, they're getting value for their salary that they're giving you. So... Yep. One one other thing that came up multiple times that we should leave everybody with as well is the idea of something like a disk assessment, having some type of scientifically proven yes. somewhat idea yes. of, of evaluating, you know, all things considered. Yeah, they are data backed. They are EEOC compliant. They are um, adverse impact compliant. Um, disk is just fantastic all the way around when you're dealing with people. It, it solves or it doesn't solve, but it addresses so many interpersonal communication issues. It can be used for anything related to people. It's very useful. Yeah, absolutely. And I I believe in in really great magic coming from the intersection of science and art. So having the data backed, you know, kind of process driven approach to helping figure people out. But then other than that, you know, learning the people themselves, everybody's an individual. So that does take a little bit more of the art form type of discussion. But Susie, I I can't thank you enough for joining me here today. Great discussion, very impactful. Before I let you go, I do want to share the answers that you gave to my favorite question. Who is your favorite movie or TV show character? What's your favorite movie or TV show? What's your favorite musical instrument? And who's the artist you'd like to hear play it? So without further ado, uh, your favorite TV show character is David Rose from Schitt's Creek. I love this character, and I can't. I, I don't think it's been given. That answer's been given on my show before, but just just his facial expressions and his, whatever too. I feel like is the way that you're looking at a lot of these resumes when you, when you have them in front of you. But but for those who don't know, the spoiled adult son of Johnny and Moira Rose, the older brother of Alexis, his 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 stories revolve around his family's sudden loss of wealth and banishment to the Shit's Creek, the town that the the, fa- the father purchased as a joke for his birthday years ago. But just just the. the Faces that this guy makes and just what he says on the show, it's got to be the same kind of faces you make when you're looking at these resumes. <laughs> I'm keeping that to myself. <laughs> <laughs> so you you said that your favorite TV show, which was also a fun discussion, yeah. was Succession, and oh. I, I haven't I haven't gotten into this one yet, and it's oh. one of the it's probably the most recommended one that I get. Uh, so again, the Roy family known for controlling the biggest media and entertainment company in the world, but their world changes when their father steps down from the company. You mentioned the chemistry that you feel with the cast of this show. So the actors being so in sync that the cameraman can just kind of. I just want to mention, yeah, that they're so good that the directors and the producers respect that and let the actors do their thing while the cameras go around them. And I just thought that was awesome. And I, that very concept is very similar to the synchronicity between the employee and employer type of relationship and yes. understanding yes. of culture when it, when it yes. actually blends, you know, everything kind of come, falls into place. Yes. Yes. So and that's, that's why they're at award ceremonies and whatnot. Right? <laughs> yeah, they deserve it. They deserve it. <laughs> 
So I asked you about your favorite musical instrument and the artist who plays it. You said you're not much into music, but when I really got into it with you, you said that you do enjoy classical music and the sweet sounds of Beethoven, which don't challenge me. I can put your face onto classical musicians as well. <laughs> but you know, appreciate listening to classical music and seeing what ideas come to mind. Some of your best ideas and work come out of this time. You also mentioned an uh, appreciation for the disco version of of the fifth yes. <laughs> Beethoven's fifth. Yes, that was in- the fifth of Beethoven. <laughs> that was- I mean, I'm a '70s girl. I'm a disco part, a disco lover, and so that music just brings me back. It just it's it's my childhood. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. If you guys want to check out Susie's website is brander.com. That's B-R-A-A-N-D-E-R. Email is Susie G at brander.com. That's Susie S-O-O-Z-Y-G. Love your nickname, by the way. Uh, coming up next week, we're going to hear from my friend Carol Williams with Williams Immigration. She's an immigration attorney. Uh, Carol founded founded the, uh, the, the firm. She's a former adjudications officer for the USCIS, offers personalized service to companies, employees, and families seeking legal counsel within that complex world of immigration law. So tune in next week for that. 11 a.m. Eastern time right here Friday on talkradio.myc. Susie, thanks again for being here. Thank you. This was so much fun. Talk to you soon. Hello, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Great to see you. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you next week. run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Have you ever thought of reinventing yourself? Are you looking to create a new life's journey? Hi, I'm Kevin Barbro, host of Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 5, 8 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live to hear me and my guests from a variety of different backgrounds. As a former college coach and a current full-time actor and owner of multiple companies, my show is as eclectic as my life. That's Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. informed about menopause and how it impacts on your life hi i'm pat duckworth women's health strategist and host of the hot women rock radio show empowering women leaders at menopause join me every thursday at 10 a.m eastern time 3 p.m uk time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.